Hi, I'm Lesha Holzaffel, and you're listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, a podcast for moms who are ready to lose the weight they want without gaining it back by learning the holistic approach to nutrition and how our brains determine our long-term success. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. Welcome back, mama friend. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. So this is the very first time that I have a male on the show. And that's not because I'm sexist. It's because the show is called Fit Mom Squad. And I just assume, well, women probably understand other women. However, I think this guest is going to bring a lot of value to the show. Welcome to the show, Jimmy Moore. Hey, Lesha. Thanks for having me. It's the first dude on this show. That's kind of an honor. It is. And I think that it's a well-deserved title for you. You are like the keto godfather, right? I feel like most people in this space, when we ask them, like, how did you hear keto? How did you start keto? Somewhere in the mix, they bring up Jimmy Moore, whether that's from your podcast or your book. So for those that are listening, that are like, who is this Jimmy Moore that clearly they probably haven't been in this space for a while. Can you introduce yourself and share who you are, what you do and your journey? Yeah, it's funny. I met someone recently who's in the health and wellness space. She knows about keto. She knows about fasting and does fasting. She knows Maria Emmerich, but she had no idea who I was. I was like, thank God. Like, I, I don't I don't like it that people just automatically assume everybody knows me. But yeah, so I've been out here in the space for 17 years, actually. Back in 2004, I went on the Atkins diet, lost 180 pounds on the Atkins diet. And it really started my journey mentally, intellectually, to learn more and more. So I started a podcast called the Living La Vida Low Carb Show, longest running health podcast. What'd you say? Episode 43 for you today here. I'm at like 1743 episodes now, (laughs) but it's like, it's been quite the journey of always learning, always keeping mind open to what's happening in the world of health. And it's ever evolving. Anybody that becomes dogmatic and says, health is this. A year from now, health is this ain't going to exist anymore. It's going to be something nuanced, different. And it's in that nuance where people either succeed or they fail. And besides your podcast, I know you've written a lot of books on keto and in that realm. Do you want to mention a few of those? Yeah. So I'm most famous for having the first book that had keto in the title. It was this book here, Keto Clarity came out in 2014. I remember when I was approached by the publisher, a pretty major publisher, Simon & Schuster imprint. And they're like, Hey, we want you to write books for us. In 2012, they, they reached out, what do you want to write about? And I said, ketogenic diets. Now at the time, paleo was really big and they were a publisher of a lot of paleo books. And I'm like keto. And they're like, yeah, that's too much of a niche. Nobody really cares about that. I said, it's going to be the next trend after paleo. I told them this nine years ago. And they didn't believe me. So then they had me write the cholesterol book because I did tell them I was interested in the cholesterol topic as well. So I wrote Cholesterol Clarity first and then Keto Clarity came out and proceeded to blow that book out the water at how popular it was. And needless to say, people got interested in keto. There were a lot of confluences that made keto popular, but I'm thinking that was one of the major ones. Uh, I did write a few more keto books, The Keto Cure, uh, Real Food Keto, Keto Clarity Cookbook. But I'm sensing that there are people who have keto fatigue. Keto isn't relevant anymore. 
And it sounds shocking from somebody that's an author of keto books, but not the keto isn't relevant anymore. But I think we've so put the focus on a buzzword that we've lost what the diet is and what the purpose, the end result of that diet is. And this is why I wanted to come on your show today, because there's so many things that people make it a rules and regulations thing. And keto was never intended to be that. Yeah. And that's a great segue on what I want to talk about today with you, because we can go so many different routes, you know, with your background and my background. And when I first started keto, I didn't know what I was doing and thank God for your podcast. I loved your podcast, Jimmy Moore and the doc. I learned everything and there wasn't a lot of resources. There wasn't a lot of blogs. There wasn't all these products, right? So I'd like to talk about how keto has evolved over the years and just the diet industry in general and how it's changed. And I mean, you've, I mean, it's been almost two decades for you. I'm sure you've seen so many changes from when you started to what it is now. And then I also want to talk about this other topic, which kind of ties into it, which is carb phobia, which is something that I see happening a lot with people that are on the ketogenic diet. It happened with me. And I want to kind of talk about that and for you to share your opinion on that and your experience and how we can avoid that. So let's just talk about how keto has changed over the years and how the diet industry has evolved and kind of what you see going forward. So when I entered into this space going on the Atkins diet, Atkins was called ketogenic, but it wasn't necessarily always a ketogenic diet. Ketogenic meaning producing ketones. We didn't really have sophistication of measuring ketone levels beyond peeing on some sticks and seeing some change to pink to purple to whatever. And so when I started, there was, the iPhone wasn't even invented yet back in 2004. There you're was, aging yourself, Jimmy. I'm all right with Don't that. Don't say there, that. No. There was, I'll tell you what was popular in terms of social media, MySpace. Oh my uh, gosh. I remember MySpace. They used to change my profile like every week to a different theme. <laughs> yeah. And then AOL, you've got mail. You know, that was kind of the, the way people got on the internet. We have evolved somewhat since then. So it was before social media. It was before podcasting. It was before all of the noise that's out there today. So you asked about what's changed. When I started, I think I succeeded because I kept it simple, stupid. And I think that's what we've lost in this day and age is we've tried to make keto into this. You must do this. You must add MCT oil. You must add ashwagandha. You must do. And it's like, what? Get back to the basics. And that's what helped me succeed. So that's what it was circa 17 years ago when I first got in this. And then as I've been a part of, of the community, an educator through my podcast, through my books, through my blogs, through social media, I've seen this pressure of, oh, no, you're doing it wrong. Oh, no, you're doing keto wrong. Oh, no, you're doing it. And it's like, this is what works for me. This is like based on me interviewing thousands of people in my podcast. Have your journey, enjoy your journey, but keep your nose out of what I'm doing in my journey. I think the judgmentalness that, and and you told me to bring it today, so I'm bringing it. The judgmentalness of people who think you have to do things a certain way to appease their version of what you're doing, that has to go away. Like that, that should have no relevance in your life. And you should see all the unsolicited advice that I've gotten over the years of people. Well, if you only did this, you'd be stick thin and have a six pack abs. And I'm like, yeah, you, because I just don't buy into this whole idea that you have to fit someone else's mold of healthy. 
for you. And so, yeah, I could rant on that a little bit more, but the way it's changed is we went from blase, boring, just do it, keep it simple, stupid to now everybody's eyeballing you. And if you go off course, even a little, you're going to be judged for it. Yeah. And what I think you're talking about is the, the keto police, right? And that's the term that they call those people. So for me, here's the deal. Here's what I think. Yes. I think everybody should personalize keto to their body and to their needs. But I do also believe that there is an unhealthy way right? Unhealthy way to do keto. And so what you talked about, where keeping it simple and the way it is now, I feel that a lot of people are replacing the standard American diet with ketogenic standard American diet. So the change is there. Like what is the difference between saying to someone, Hey, you're doing keto the wrong way because your macros aren't exactly this versus um, you're doing keto the unhealthy way because yeah, you might lose some weight initially because you're going to drop all that water, right? The carbs retain, but now you're just substituting one habit to another low carb, sugar free habit. Yeah. Or, or even the pseudo ketogenic diet is what I call like all those processed foods. I was in a grocery store the other day and I saw keto wrap and I'm always curious what they think keto is. So I flip it on the back. No lie, Lesha. The first three ingredients were whole wheat, sugar, and some other wheat flour, uh, wheat something. And I'm like, what? And that's passing for keto. So I think we need to define keto as a product is way different than keto. What you and I talk about is keto. I think people, you're right. They do. They replace their standard American diet with a standard fake keto diet, pseudo keto diet. And neither one of those is going to give you health. Could you lose weight? Is weight the only barometer by which we're measuring something as healthy? That's another thing that pisses me off to no end is people only look at what is the weight loss effect of any given diet. And if you're not losing weight, it must be failing. And if you are losing weight, it must be succeeding. Never mind if you're under eating calories. Never mind if you're eating junk food. Never mind if you're micronutrient deficient. There's so many falsities in the narrative of it's not working because weight loss isn't working. You could have blood sugar stabilized. You could have insulin levels come down. You could have inflammation levels come down, even as the weight stays stuck. So why do you think that is? Why do you think that we're so obsessed about the weight? Why are we so obsessed about losing the weight fast? Why do we want the quick fix? Whose fault is that? We've been conditioned. Look at all the heavy advertising. And by the way, I've got a book idea in me to expose the tactics of the weight loss industry. And one little tidbit that I've come across in my research is all of the weight loss companies from SlimFast, Dexatrim to on down, every single one of them are owned, hold on to your hat, by junk food companies. So they get you coming. Oh, the slim fast didn't work. Come over and have our our junk food. Oh, the junk food's making you fat. Come on over to, and it's like this revolving door and they're making money coming and going. So the sooner people realize the reason you obsess about weight is you're being told that you should be obsessing about your weight. It's disgusting to me that we, we look solely at weight and you can have amazing things happening, healing inside the body. 
even as the weight's being stubborn, there's so many things beyond the food that you eat that impact the weight on your body. And don't get me started on stress uh, in the last year. Like it's been hard on every body. So give yourself some grace and don't get frustrated because the weight's not moving and then give in to some of those junk foods because you can't bring sexy back. If you do that, you've got to be committed. Even when you don't see results, results are happening on the inside. Yeah. And that's hard for us because we don't see those results happening on the inside, right? Like we just see the outside. We see the number on the scale. We see how our clothes fit and all the things we really don't get to see inside. Like, it's not like every day we step on some scale and it tells us like, Oh, your inflammation level went down maybe one day, right. With the technology we'll get there. We're like, Hey, your inflammation went down and, and your liver is functioning so much better and processing these toxins so much better. And you're doing this and that it's like, we don't see that. So we go by the physical appearance, the number on the scale to determine whether something is working or not. And I feel like in our society, we're also so prone to, to have this mindset of, you know, quick fixes. So why do you think we want that quick fix? Why do you think we want to lose that 10 pounds in a week? And, and I see this over and over again with keto, and this is kind of where it's, it's tricky and it's, you know, it's hard for people because they see all the transformations on social media. You know, somebody that has a lot of weight to lose might start a ketogenic diet and drop, you know, that 10 pounds in a week, but that necessarily doesn't mean that it's been 10 pounds of fat. Right. And then the other people, they see it and, and they don't get the same results. So they quit or they say, keto doesn't work for me. Why are we so obsessed for these quick results? Is it our fault? Is it our brain's fault? Is it, you know, the meat, like the diet industry? How do we switch from that? I think it comes down to fear, Lesha. People are scared to death because their doctor tells them, oh, you have high cholesterol. So you need to go on a weight loss diet to bring that cholesterol down or you're going to have a heart attack. I actually had a lady, no, no kidding. A lady two days ago was freaking out in Instagram DM. She wrote me, my doctor told me I'm going to die in the next few days. And I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, well, my total cholesterol was really high. And I'm like, send me your panel. So she sends me her panel. Her triglyceride to HDL ratio was under one. Her A1C was 4.9. Phenomenal numbers, by the way, for people that don't know. 4.9. Her blood sugar was 83. Her insulin was in single digits. Oh, an inflammation marker under 1.0 on the HSCRP. I'm like, call me. And we sat there and, and we had a nice like 30 minute conversation where I was explaining all this and why the doctor was doing that. So I think a lot of people are feared into being hyper vigilant about wanting to do it fast. Plus, look, we live in a microwave society. I want results and I want it yesterday. And so it, it's unfortunate again, and societal pressures say, you look at like weight loss commercials for like Nutrisystem, lose 10 pounds in the first two weeks. It's like, you're psychologically setting people up to expect that. So what happens when they don't? It does become a psychological issue at that point where they yeah. can't imagine what's wrong with me. I didn't lose 10 pounds in two weeks. Why isn't this working for me? I guess nothing works. So let me go back to eating Doritos, Coca-Cola and bonbons all day. Right. But then what happens is that 
I don't know if you found this experience, but I do with most of my clients is they've tried something in the past and it didn't work and they get frustrated. So they go back to eating, you know, the Doritos and the Bobbums, but the desire to lose weight is still always going to be there. The desire to be healthy is always going to be there. So, you know, if you have that goal of being healthy and wanting to lose weight and have energy and all of that, you have to think about, okay, so what can I do that's a lifestyle more so than a diet or a quick fix. But what is something that is not only enjoyable, but sustainable? Because I know even if I, you know, this doesn't work, I know that I still want to be healthy and lose weight. This desire, it just doesn't go away. Well, the trap is it doesn't work only means weight. And like I was saying earlier, if people reframe that it didn't work for me into I know it's working, it's just not showing the results I want, but I'm gonna trust the process and I'm gonna stay on the journey despite not seeing it. I, I've talked to many experts, obesity experts over the years on my podcast, and almost all of them say the blood sugar regulates, the insulin comes down, the inflammation comes down, all of these good things happen before the weight loss happens, before the totality of having that healing manifest in the way that we desire in our brains for it to happen. We need to flip the script. We need to make weight loss a nice little side effect of being healthy rather than expecting the weight loss itself to be the indicator of health. You were healthy long before you lost the weight. Yeah. So it's more of this approach of getting healthy to lose weight instead of losing weight to get healthy. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. And that is a mindset thing, right? Cause that is not our typical, you know, we've been surrounded by all this stuff that tells us lose weight fast, bring sexy back fast. You have to look this size to be healthy and you have to reach this number on the scale and all the things. And so we are so conditioned to that. It's hard for us to think the other way around. Even look what they've done, what they've done with the pandemic. Oh, well, obesity is the biggest reason you're going to have bad effects. I'm like, no, look at what those obese people have. They have major health comorbidities going on, on average, about three apiece. And so they're blaming the obesity, but it's really the comorbidities, all the health problems that if they ate a right diet, exercise, did all the things to fix the health problems, the obesity would be a non sequitur at that point. Yeah. There's so many factors that go into that. I don't even like, I don't even want to go <laughs> in the pandemic. Cause like we could just run all day long, but it's insane to me. It just blows my mind when, when people, some of the things that I hear people say about that. So who's to blame then? Is it the diet industry or is it us as people that don't take the time to educate ourselves and really right. look underneath the hood of all of the stuff that's out there? It's both, but I'll focus on individual responsibility. It's a big part of my messaging. Look, you need to take back control of your own health. You need to stop abdicating your responsibility for your own health to doctors, to health experts, to all these people that you've trusted. And we blindly trusted for so long all of these things that have been told to us. It's why we dutifully cut our saturated fat. It's why we ate more healthy whole grains. It's why we did this, did that, did this, did that. We were told those things. And I think we're living in an era now, Lesha, where people are wisening up and going, well, wait a minute, that generic kind of advice from these people has never served me well. Let me go listen to podcasts. Let me go read books. Let me go investigate further for myself. And they're awakening to, 
hey, some of that prescriptiveness that we've been given really didn't work for me. So that's part of it. Yes, I think it is on the individual to figure this out as the industry, the, even the food and their heavy ability to manipulate the consumer. And especially going to any grocery store. And I do this for funsies. I call it health claims gone wild. When I go into a store and I look at health claims on the front of packaging, I literally look for the most absurd health claims. I remember looking at a box of Fruit Loops one time and it said, a good source of vitamin D. And I'm like, all right, let's see what they mean by a good source. 400 IU is a good source of vitamin D? No. Stand out in the sun for like two minutes, you got 400 IU of vitamin D. So it's it's amazing to me how manipulated we can be. And I'm hoping the events of the last year have opened people's eyes at just how manipulated we've been in a lot of areas. But in the nutritional health world, we've known about it for a very long time, almost two decades. Yeah. I feel like as a, you know, we have to almost put our, you know, like tunnel vision when we go to the grocery store and like yeah. just you know, stay around the perimeter and not go into the aisles and all the things and just the marketing, right? Because these companies have millions and millions of dollars. They know how to market to us. And in a way it's like, yeah. So for me, I agree with you, but I also feel like the diet industry isn't going to change, right? It's at what, like 6 billion a year now. So as much as we, you know, we can blame them, they're not changing. And, and someone on Instagram, like someone posted something about, you know, an article coming out with the keto and, and the, they did like three experiments with three different people and they got the keto flu and they had bad, and they still were giving keto a bad rap. And like, she was like, you know, the media should not say all these things about keto and I'm like, but they're not going to stop and you're not going to change the media, right? It's up to people. It's their responsibility to get more education rather than some insider.com article. Well, look what they've done to keto. This is how the diet industry takes over a movement. If something gets popular, they abdicate it. And when Slim Fast came out, yeah, when Slim Fast came out with their keto line of products, that's when I knew this is the diet industry trying to take over a popular trend so they could redefine it. It's why that wrap had whole grains, sugar, and another wheat product in the first three ingredients. They don't care about your health. They care about their bottom line. They care about taking over the messaging because if something gets traction, although I don't know what they're going to do with fasting, <laughs> there's nothing they can do to- They'll create supplements it. that like, hey, if you take this supplement, it will make your fasting yeah. better. And there are companies trying to do that right now. So that's true. And that's never going to stop. It's not like keto is the first diet or way of eating that they did with right. like, think about Atkins. They did that with Atkins. Remember, I remember like Subway had all these Atkins stuff yeah. and the bars. They did that with gluten-free. Remember the gluten-free trend? Yeah. All of a sudden, everything was gluten-free everywhere. They did it with paleo. Keto yeah. is the next one. And there will be something after keto. It's not about keto. It's about something becomes popular and the diet industry and food companies want to make money off of it and they create products and they slap a label on there and people buy them not knowing. And that's where I think that is up to the person to not only educate themselves, but take responsibility for their own health, knowing that like, stop believing these companies, like they are not here. They don't care about your health. They just want to make money. Now, all, not all of them, right? But most of them, they don't really care. They just care about their bottom line, like you said. The big companies don't care. 
you have smaller companies that make good things. I'm thinking about even in the carnivore space, you've got these companies creating these little crisps and little things like that. But then even at some point, there will be some big company. Oh, we have carnivore crisps as well. And then you look at the ingredients and it's like cottonseed oil and, and they add things to it that would never go in a truly carnivore thing. That Carnivore will be hard for them to bastardize, but they'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah. And so, and so is fasting, like you mentioned, but yeah, they will, they will figure out either supplements or something and it, and it's totally ridiculous. But again, I, we keep circling back to this, like as the consumer, we have to take responsibility to get educated so that, you know, that would be like listening to podcasts like this and your podcast and reading your books and, and all the things like you have to take control of your own health. The challenge of that, Lesha, is there's so much out there now. When I wrote Keto Clarity, it was the only game in town for a couple of years. So it was the one that people were like, oh, I'm looking up this keto thing. Oh, wow, here's Keto Clarity. And, and they read it. Now there are tens of thousands of keto resources between podcasts and books and videos, you know, and so it's it's a little overwhelming. If I had to start keto today, I wouldn't know where to start. I would be like, I'm hearing so many mixed messages. I don't know where to start. And so that's kind of another problem that I see in, in the keto space and in the diet world in general. At some point, the saturation of information becomes so overwhelming. People don't know what to believe. So what I tell people is when you find somebody that makes sense to you, stick with that person because generally they're going to lead you down a path of the good information. Who's putting out good information? And I like to add to that, the way that I do it is that I look at that person and what is their goal, right? So is their goal, like they're providing valuable content and they want to help you and their coach or something, or are they saying all this stuff, but then they're like, oh, but to do this right, you have to use my supplements or like buy this and buy that. And so like at the yeah. end of every blog post or end up every podcast, they're promoting like, okay, well, here's what you do and you'll need this to do it. Here's what you do. And you'll need this to do it. I would be skeptical of that because they're clearly yeah. just trying to sell you their most of the time, their crap that you don't need. And so that's another thing that you have to watch out for. Like, what is this person's intent? Yeah. And, and that's been true as long as the diet industry has been out there as well. You're always going to have the people that are slick marketers and yeah, just take it for what it is. If they're giving you free information, you can turn off the ad. You don't have to pay attention and you don't have to add anything to at the end of the day. Keto is eat real food. Like that's it. Like, let's don't make this hard. It's just eating real food that nourishes your body. That's, that's what it is. And so if somebody said, Oh, you must take this and I remember, I'm not going to say the person's name, but somebody very famous in the world of health who created this product that had no, I'm trying not to say his name with this, but no toxic things in it. So his version of it had no toxic things in it, but all the other ones are crap. I kind of went, okay, yeah, that's somebody marketing, which was unfortunate because I think that person does provide some good information. And so I think that when people are looking for someone, that's some, a couple of things that they should consider. So I want to pivot and talk about carb phobia because I've been seeing this a lot in the keto space. I personally went through it. Um, this idea that the keto diet causes people to be afraid of eating carbs and having that 
that fear that if they stop the keto diet and start going back to, you know, of course, if you stop keto and go back to your standard American diet, you're going to gain all your weight back. We all know that, but some people don't want to do keto forever. And I don't recommend that all women should do keto forever. So, but then there's this fear that, okay, I lost this weight with keto, but if I go back to eating carbs, I'm going to gain it right back because carbs make me gain weight. What are your thoughts and experience about keto? Does keto cause carb phobia? Does keto cause it? No. Does obsession over the minuscule parts of keto do it? You bet it does. Like I think people, they get so married to something that helped them when they were at their sickest. So think about when people start a ketogenic diet, probably pretty heavily insulin resistant. Who's to say you're going to stay that insulin resistant for the rest of your life? You would hope being on keto that some of that would start to heal. Some people, it takes forever to heal. Some will never heal, but a lot do heal. And so I like to personally test that healing and push the boundaries of adding in, say, a sweet potato or adding in just a little bit of some starchy carbohydrate because sugar, sugary kind of carbohydrates, even like fruits can set me off. So I know that about myself, so I don't do it. But starch, all right, let's see. And sometimes I'm surprised. And in fact, I was recently wearing a CTM, a continuous glucose monitor. I finished an 18-day fast. And at the end of the fast, I had eaten them for a couple of days. And I thought, you know what? I'm almost done with this. I want to see what happens when I eat something junk food. So I went full bore and I didn't have a ton of it, but enough to get a spike. It went from 74 was my blood sugar, incredible blood sugar to 194, one hour post prandial. What did you eat? <laughs> little Debbie snack cakes, the little oatmeal pie thingies. Oh I had four of them. I used to eat two whole boxes of those. So I don't even want to know what happened back in the day. And I was far more insulin re- uh, resistant back then than I am now. But here was the fun part. Two hours postprandial, 84. It had already come back down to normal, which told me your insulin sensitivity is a lot better than it's ever been. 10 years ago, that would have lagged for hours before it came back down close to baseline. Now, I'm not recommending that. Don't do that. But I'm saying, as Leslie was saying, test it out. Like, see how you do. You can't just assume and have an orthorexic kind of mindset of, if I eat carbs, I'm going to bloat up. Oh my God. And and you just fear yourself out of something. If you choose not to have carbs, great, but don't be fearful of eating them out of some irrational thinking that you're just going to gain back weight. Test blood sugar, test ketones, test how you feel. Just kind of take a stock of how you feel. Don't weigh yourself. That's kind of irrelevant. Of course, you're going to put on some weight because carbs tend to hold in some water. So you're going to have extra weight from that. I think there are ways to quantify it, but that one hour, two hour postprandial just to see what happened is very enlightening. Yeah. So I went through this and I I went through it a few years ago and this was when I, you know, was relatively new to keto and I lost a lot of weight with it. And so my mindset was, well, okay, so if I removed carbs and I lost all this weight, that must mean if I ever bring them back, I'll gain it all back. And I remember, oh my God, Jimmy, not kidding you. All right. I remember going out to eat and ordering a salad and they would, you know, the salads that have those little shredded carrots on them, like, you know, they like dabble a little bit. I would pick out every single carrot. My God. I mean, probably total of those, like probably didn't even amount to one carb, but I was so scared 
of freaking carrots. Oh, God forbid an apple. Oh my God. Somebody offer me an apple. And or it was so a what? A banana. <laughs> Or a banana, I remember. You said the devil word. We're not allowed to say bananas on keto. I remember Kiana Williams, uh, Keto Key over on Instagram. She's like, this is what I think about all you people who think you can't have bananas on keto. And she just like went full forehead. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. She's awesome. Yeah. And so that was my mindset. And I think a lot also has to do with what we were talking about, how like there's all this information out there, right? So we go to all these sources and they tell us you can't have bananas on keto. You can't have apples on keto. And yeah, technically those foods do not promote a nutritional ketosis state in most people that are trying to get into keto, you know, in their beginning and they're not fat adapted, they're not working out all the things that, yeah, maybe a banana could kick you out, but who says you have to be in nutritional ketosis hundred percent of the time, a and B it's like, do you really want to live your life being scared of a freaking banana and an apple? And I think this is where like people that argue against keto that it's like, oh my gosh, that's so unhealthy. And, and it's because of this carb phobia that a lot of us had or have about keto that you can't have any carbs. And for me, I feel like it was just a matter of educating. Like you said, testing, experimenting, like it took me a while to get over. I was literally afraid of carbs. But then when I started realizing like, okay, even if I have some, it's not that bad. You know, if I go travel and I'm going to enjoy myself, yeah, I gained a few pounds, but I came back and it came right off. So then I started, you know, experimenting with this clean keto carb cycling and everything. I'm like, okay, nothing's really changing. So what would you say to, to help those people that are currently in that state that they're afraid of eating carbs because they are afraid of them gaining the weight back. How would you say for them to slowly start weaning in some carbs if they don't want to do keto forever without having that fear of carbs? I would say just dive right in. I think sometimes the fear paralyzes you into inaction. So you never add them back in. I say just deep dive into it. Connect with somebody that's going to encourage you in that way. I'm sure Lesha, if people reached out to you, you'd be like, yeah, go for it. Let's do this. Tell me how it goes. If you want to test and see how you do, here's how you test your blood sugar, do it at one hour and two hours. You know, you can kind of encourage them along the way. But I say, just jump, go for it. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Because we're not talking about little Debbie snack cakes like Jimmy did. We're talking real food, whole food based carbs. Real food is not going to hurt you. This is... This is what's discouraging about the apple and the banana thing because people are like, well, they're they're so high in carbs. I'm like, yeah, but they're real food. At the end of the day, God made them. So let's honor that. And it's not something you're having constantly. It's something you're having to see how you do and then see how you do. I think we psych ourselves out. And I'll, I'll tell you a little experiment I did recently. I thought, okay. Let me see what impact adding in some carbs late in the day. And again, real food carbs, not little Debbie's neck cakes, uh, real food carbs will have on my sleep. And I found quantifiable increases in my deep sleep when I had a little bit of carbs. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about hundreds. I'm talking about maybe 50 grams of carbohydrate a few hours before bedtime. I found that I get more deep sleep when I do that. Then I was testing like blood sugar. Okay. How did that impact me the next day? How are my hunger levels the next day? And overall, I did pretty good. Why? Because I've been fat adapted for so long. My body knows how to use fat for fuel. 
And it used it strategically just as a, an athlete would strategically use carbohydrate to fuel their, their sport. And so we need to look at carbs as a strategic adding back thing at some point. And that should make you excited. Oh, I want some more sleep. Oh, I want to feel better. I want that little burst of energy when I go do my workout. Those are the things that should get you excited about adding back in. And again, not gargantuan amounts, but enough. A banana, an apple, a sweet potato. Like, let's don't make this the end of the world. You're not going and binging on crappy garbage, as I call it. So yeah, and there is research about the carbs before bed, improving sleep and everything. And that has to do with just like the cortisol and the adrenals and stuff like that. And, you know, I've done research on that myself and been experimenting with that. And I tell a lot of women, cause I have women that they'll get up at night and they'll just like for out of no reason, like, I don't know why, like I just wake up and I'm like starving or whatever. And, and I'm just like, well, try experimenting with having a little bit of carbs before bed and it's really helped them. So yeah, it's about being strategic. And I think that people come, we're such an all or nothing mentality, right? So we think if we bring back carbs, that means that we're going to do all the donuts and the pizza and the French fries now, because it's either no carbs or all carbs. So it's finding that that middle ground where you're strategic about when you're consuming them and why, right? What is your reason? So a lot of people are like, I want a carb cycle. And I'm like, why? Because you heard of it. It sounds cool because you love carbs, but you're forcing yourself not to eat them because you're keto. So now you heard of carb cycling and you're just like, Ooh, I can have carbs. Like, what do you think carb cycling is? Like, cause if you think it's like you go and binge on a whole pizza, sister, sister, no, no, no. That's not how that works. We're very strategic about how we do it. So it's having that mindset of like, what is the reason I'm doing all of this? Not just because of, you know, it's the next trend or I can't have this or I can't have that. And that again, goes back to that whole, everything we talked about today, the diet industry and the way that we want quick fixes and the carb phobia, all, it all just comes back to like us really analyzing what is the reason, what is our goal, right? What is the ultimate goal? It should be health. It should be wellness. It should be longevity. It should be having energy, not being like finding a quick fix to lose the weight so we can go back to our normal eating and get it all back and then repeat the yo-yo and keep on giving money to the diet industry. Amen. We're done. Mic drop. Here, here. T totally agree. I mean, I think those are all really good points. And see, at the end of the day, the way I see this, Lesha, is you're learning more about yourself. And if you stay stuck in the same old, same old all the time, how do you ever learn if you've healed? How do you ever press the boundary of, huh, I've been doing keto for a couple of years. I wonder how I tolerate X and you add back in X and you see how you feel and you pay attention to subjective signs. You pay attention to blood. You pay attention to all kinds of things to see how you did, that's knowledge that then becomes powerful of, hey, I tolerated that well, I feel well, blood sugar stayed stable, da, 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 da. And then the next time you're empowered to, okay, I want to try it again, maybe a little more, maybe a little something different. And it, it just cascades. It's why that first step should always be just do it. Just do the worst that's going to happen is your blood sugar goes up, stays up for a few hours and comes back down. That's it. That. That's the worst thing that could happen. And that's not going to kill you. Yeah, exactly. Our bodies are resilient. It'll, they'll bounce back. That's so, so we covered so much. There's so much good stuff here and we can talk forever. 
But to wrap up, I just want to ask you one question is where do you think the diet industry is going to be in a few years? Where do you think keto is going to be in a few years? Do you see what changes do you see happening in this whole space? Are you talking about what the next trend is in the diet industry? Well, just anything in general. I know you said in the beginning that you think keto is kind of going out on its way out. Oh, what yeah. What do you think is going to be the next thing? Is it fasting? <laughs> is it carb cycling? So, Where do you well, see all this going? Well, fasting is going to have its day in the sun and it has for a few years now. But no, I think, you know, carnivores kind of having a moment as well. I think we're moving away from prescriptiveness of diets because we've dealt with Atkins and South Beach and protein power and paleo keto, carnivore. It's like we've gone through all of these trends. I think the industry is tired of prescriptiveness. I think we're going more to customization of diet. Like we have all these options available now. We have lots of different ways to get there. I think it's going to be, all right, let's customize it to the individual based on principles of some of these past things and maybe some new principles that will come out of the research. So Will that sell? Will that be a diet industry type of thing? Probably not, but I think it's where people are naturally moving to. And I I think that's a product of, we now have so many voices like mine and yours out there kind of promoting, find what works for you, customizing it. You've got practitioners, nutritional health people like yourself who are teaching clients, all right, here's basic principles, but let's customize it to who you are. I think that has to be the logical next step. And I, my evidence for that is look how functional medicine has taken off. Look how alternative health type of people are becoming more and more popular from nutritional therapists to, to even dietitian nutrition. Yeah, yeah. All that. I agree. Yeah. And so all of those things I think are a clear indicator. People are tired of the diet games. They're tired of the diet industry and they're ready to just get healthy at last. Well, I hope it happens. I'm not sure how they're going to monetize on that customization, but I really hope that happens, that people become more aware of the power that they have. And instead of following a trend that, you know, they find a way that works for them, which I agree is something that I teach all the time. Like, look, if you want to do keto, I'm all for it, but let's just make sure that it is the right way for you. Maybe for you, it'd be better to start with like gluten-free, right? That's correct. So things like that, which I think is, is amazing that you mentioned that. Okay. So where can our listeners find you? Let us know all your links, your show, your books, all the deeds. Yeah. So I'm a busy dude. So I put it all in one place to make it easy. LLVLC.com says live in La Vida low carb is what LLVLC means. And so I do four podcasts a week. So Monday I do a mindset show called the one step deeper podcast with my best friend, Brittany. Tuesday, Wednesday is my flagship show, Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. Thursday, I do a show called Real Talk, uh, where we talk about real life stuff, all kinds of things in the diet and health world, as well as outside of it. I'm all over social media at Live in Low Carb Man, pretty much everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all the usual suspects. I do a show on Instagram where I break down studies. So I'm, I'm always like looking at new studies and I'm, I do a show called uh, Jimmy Make Science Simple. So yeah, I stay busy, Lesha, but it's fun to me and I've done this a while and I, I'm pretty much just on automatic mode, pressing a button and going. So that's how you find me. And then share your books again. What are the big ones that our listeners can pick up if they want to learn more about keto? 
Yeah. So if you're worried about your cholesterol, I wrote a book called Cholesterol Clarity. And if you are interested in keto, a lot of people consider this the entry level book for keto, Keto Clarity. And then we mentioned fasting. I also wrote a book uh, called The Complete Guide to Fasting. So, uh, and I've got four other books about keto and have some recipes. Yeah. Again, I stay very busy. So we'll put all of those in the show notes. And yeah, I have read all of those and they're all great books. I recommend that they be part of everyone's library. So I want to thank you for coming on, sharing your knowledge, sharing all the things that you've learned over the years with our listeners. It's been such a great episode. I can't wait for everyone to dive in and learn all the things. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Don't forget to tag me at BSB Tribe. If you want even more resources, make sure to go to www.bsbtribe.com and head on over to a private community on Facebook, Fit Mom Squad, so that you can get connected with other moms who are crushing their health goals. I can't wait to see you on the inside. Until next time, keep focused on your goals, mama.